Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Tyler, and I've got my magic handkerchief, and I'm riddled with Phobos to talk about the gods of reputation and prosperity. Barry's here to discuss his sermon on the spiritual dynamics of ancient Ephesus and the powers of this world. But before we light millions of dollars of books on fire, now that he's taken a water break from two hours of shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. <laughs> Let's welcome in our favorite co-host, robbed of his prestige, Barry. <laughs> wow. How are you? Uh, I'm good. We Yay! are. We are like a ship without a rudder. Yeah, no week. Marin today. We uh, we've we don't have a heart this week. She's, she's the heart of the show. <laughs> she's and, the heart uh, of the show. It's just us. What are we even going to do? Yeah. So friend of the pod, we are sorry, <laughs> but uh, we felt... We felt we needed to uh, keep you keep you in the loop this summer. So we're going all the way through the series. We've only got one more week left. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no Marin. She's taking the week to be with family. So Barry and I are going to crack wise on <laughs> last week's sermon. But uh, that was a we... great intro, by the way. Lots and hey. lots and lots of references. Yeah. Well, I always think I'm going to run out. Yeah. Because. Usually it's like, if you share a personal story, it's like, I'm trying to do a mixture of mixing personal with yeah. scripture, but you had a lot of, a uh, lot of good, a lot of good stuff this week, uh, to pull from. So Great. is Artemis of the Ephesians. So we're good. <laughs> I thought you were going to, going to clip the thing of me talking in Greek, but nope. Took the English one. I was yeah. actually in my original draft. I almost had a little comment like Tyler, don't add that to the podcast <laughs> when I was chanting, but yeah. Oh, well. You did the fist pump and everything. <laughs> uh, before we jump in, go follow us on Instagram. You can find us at Between Sundays Podcast. We uh, were posting pretty regularly now. We've got some cool uh, posts of like sound bites and clips over the years, and uh, so we're 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 just getting started. So go go follow us, and um, yeah, there's more to come. I think a lot of cool stuff is in the works for this show in the months ahead. So we want to get it kicked off right with a I with just, a. I just had an idea. Um, I'm in the middle of my ad. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Keep going. At between Sunday's podcast. <laughs> okay. <go>. All right. <laughs> my idea was for the, for the Instagram, we should do like a 10 video gallery of just audio clips of the top 10 sound clips that you use yeah. in the pod that people can All pull right. up. Yeah. Vote. Could they yeah. vote? They can vote. I don't yeah, know. Sure. Vote. Yeah. Believe cool. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had better start taking all this spiritual stuff seriously. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, all right, Barry, what's new? What's going on? What's new? Um, geez, I forgot to prepare. I'm fine. Life is good. Life <laughs> oh, no. is fine. I mean, you cleaned out your barn. Oh, I was anticipating you talking about yeah. that. Oh man. Which looks like a whole new place. It really does. So we've got this old rusty barn building thing on our property that has been one of those things that we keep looking at and thinking someday we're going to clean this bad boy out yeah. and live just went ahead now. and rented a dumpster, 20 yard dumpster and 20 yards, 20 yards, big, big dumpster. Wow. What is that like a semi? I don't know. It's 20 yards worth. <laughs> okay. 20 washing machines worth. So wow. it's big. Um, and so we just started going at it and just and the two of you, just the two of us pretty much. I don't Man, think anyone else helped and cleaning out a barn. We, there's just, it was piles and piles of stuff. And there were these, like they had built these wooden rafters that were just tons of rent. There was this old, uh, like chair, one of those like sun chairs, like yeah. by the side of the pool with big wheels on it from like the 1960s up there, as well as about six inches deep of raccoon poop. And so oh, no. we were rabbits and camels. <laughs> yeah, probably too. So oh, we, we were just cleaning out stuff. We filled the entire dumpster to the brim 
And I, I found about, I don't know, a dozen old 1950s, 60s vintage uh, power tools, drill press and vice and random stuff. And I'm going to try to sell those on like Facebook marketplace or something. Or if any of you are collectors slash restorers, friends of the pod, and you want a whole bunch of stuff, I'll sell them to you real cheap. Yeah. All right. Uh, so how long did this take you? Was this like a day long project it was or a week, week or a week of pretty much any of our free time? We'd go out there and, you know, sweat and sweep and what's the goal? Are we, what are we, what are we trying to do with it? The goal, the just first, this goal barn? was just to make it not a terrible, terrible space to be in. <laughs> yeah. And, it, but it's, they, someone sprayed this like foam insulation or this, like, it's like a weird, like, I don't even know what it is, like a cottony insulation all across the top, which got brown and nasty and now just rains down constantly. Uh. So we have to like, and it's like all the way up to the ceiling. So we have to try to figure out how to scrape that off and get rid of it. That's phase two. But all right. this was just like cleaning out the open, opening up the area and getting rid of a ton of the junk. That is that there. the, uh, is that the incoming hope month project? <laughs> no, we're not going to make anybody do that. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So it's, it's cleaned out. What's in there now? Just like empty room or what? There's it- some space. We use it to store. I mean, we're, or my brother-in-law's jet ski, which doesn't work, oh, is in there. Right. We're going to keep our mower in there. Uh, all of the hay for the Indiana House Rabbit Society, we keep that in there. As oh, you guys of, you guys are the we're hay the, keepers. We're the, the hay keepers. Yeah, the all hay right. guardians. And so, <laughs> yeah, right. there's, there's that's the other thing that I did on Sunday. I got home from church and immediately drove to Lafayette to pick up hay for IHRS. And I was just chucking hay bales, yeah, like 74 hay bales and driving them back to the barn and stacking them up. So that's what I did instead of taking a nap on Sunday. Okay. So what about you? What's new, Good. man? Uh, we're going on vacation next week and, uh, this is the annual family vacation on my wife's side. And it's always a good time. We're going up to Michigan, but it hit me this year that before we go on vacation is like the most expensive time of our lives. It's like <laughs> Why? The days gear? leading up to it. It's like, I need a new swimsuit. Well, you have one, but Okay. The guy, the kids need new stuff to like play with in the car or, right. I mean, me, I was, I was like, well, if everybody's getting new stuff, I might as well just get a, actually the, I probably need to talk about this in regards to your sermon, the, uh, God of, <laughs> God of prosperity, prosperity. Uh, but yeah, I was like, well, and his, and his little brother, the God of family vacations, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, we needed a new like luggage rack to put the car top carrier on the van. And so I don't know, going, going on vacation, the vacation in and of itself is, is expensive, but like getting ready for vacation <laughs> is expensive. So we're, uh, we're dealing with that this week, but yeah, next week, um, first time where the boys will be like swimming kind of by themselves. Yeah. We're going to a lake house and, yeah. uh, yeah. Milo is four. He just turned four last week. And so he's like swimming by himself now. He's uh, basically a fish from what I hear. Yes. Yes. He loves the water, um, which is kind of my nightmare because we're going to the lake and I, the, the, the dark waters, the you days of me just like going to the pool or like <laughs> o- the ocean and just like reading a book are over like right. those, the last easy day for the, me on the days of deep anxiety and waiting and watching your son <laughs> yeah. at all hours. Yeah. Well, not even that. It's like, dad, get in. <laughs> Dad, throw me like it's just nonstop that. (laughs) Yeah. And so I have to be in the water. Yeah. And you don't like the lake water. No, I don't like any kind of water where I can't see below me. Mm -hmm. Um, because if a fish, if if, I've talked about this, but if a fish (laughs) touches me, I will freak out. I will freak 
out. <laughs> and so that's what we're doing next week. Uh, and Lane has is like typical second child. He'll just like, if we have a dock, he'll probably just run right off of it. So you right. gotta be like head on a swivel with that guy. So yeah, yeah. it's, uh, it'll be interesting. It's, I don't anticipate it being relaxing at all. I was all, just going to say, but, it sounds uh, like you're going to come back really refreshed. Everybody else will have a great time. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. So that's what I'm doing. And I won't be here next week. So if you guys do the pod, it'll, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll me be and Marin. you and Marin. So we're ready. Yeah. Yeah. You guys can do it. Yeah. Um, all right. So we are uh, just finished up week eight. Yeah. Of our summer series, how it started, how it's going. And you um, preached on Acts 19. So riot in Ephesus. Have you ever heard a sermon on the riot in Ephesus? No, 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 (laughs) I haven't. Uh, So this is all new to me, (laughs) this uh, topic. But uh, can you kind of give us a big idea for what anybody may have missed or has not heard yet? What did you want people to take away and walk away with? Sure. I heard from somebody that they did not see the sermon going where I took it. Like they weren't expecting where the conclusion was. They were not expecting that to be the outcome of the sermon, but that's just a thriller, like a thriller (laughs) movie or book. I wish with all kinds of twists and turns. Yeah. All I'll say is it. Yeah. All that to say the the passage itself talks about um, what happened in Ephesus as essentially Christianity was really starting to change the spiritual dynamics of a very spiritual city. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's a spiritual huge, and like spiritual all in kinds like, of ways. yeah. in like the worship of the temp of the goddess Artemis and yeah. witchcraft and, and sorcery and all that stuff's going right. on is Artemis of the Ephesians. <laughs> and then that's what happened because, <laughs> because there was a huge riot in the streets of people that were whipped into a frenzy because yeah. essentially Christians were, were starting to, to threaten the trade of Artemis statuettes or figurines that people would buy and put in their houses and, and Christians didn't need those anymore. So they weren't buying them and it it turned into this big riot. My point as I, as we looked at the story was to talk about the fact that there are powers of this world, authorities that, that rule into our world. And Paul talks about them in Ephesians six, the letter he wrote to the church in Ephesus, uh, that, that are threatened when the gospel is taking root. Mm-hmm. And so the, the riot in Ephesus was just an ex- one example of the world pushing back of these authorities, the spiritual and unseen authorities of our world pushing back when the gospel, when the church is taking root and doing yeah. what the church does. And so that was kind of my, the big idea for that part of the message was basically when the gospel takes root, the powers of this world push back or are threatened. And sometimes they push back. And then we said, all right, so how do we apply this? And then I kind of turned it into looking at two specific powers or authorities of our world today, which I called the God of reputation and the God of prosperity. And I kind of spoke from my place of concern that I don't see them pushing back. Yeah. At least not that much on the, on the American church, uh, American Christians. We don't seem to be threatening to the gods of reputation and prosperity. And I kind of mused a little bit on why, and then encouraged us to do some self-reflection to ask our, our, our lives in Jesus actually threatening to the powers yeah. of this world or not. You're the, uh, you're the nicest scolder <laughs> I've ever encountered. <laughs> Thank like you. you were like, I'm going to get really personal and I'm going to step in some toes. So put on your steel toed boots and I'm yeah. really sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, okay, well, gonna hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So the God of prosperity and the God of reputation really is what you yeah. focused on. So let's take it from the top. All um, right. 
Set well, the stage. Well, well, well. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not that top. Uh, set the stage for us in, uh, in Ephesus. So sure. a lot of sorcery and dark magic happening here, which in 2021, when I'm thinking about sorcery and dark magic, I, of course, go to my board games. Oh, like, that, you're that, say that's Harry, actually Harry Potter. Well, yeah. So <laughs> actually, I, as I thought about this, I was like, they did that book burning. I'm like, eh, sounds sounds about right. Like book burning, prob- probably, possibly Harry Potter books. I'm sure there were some people who did that. There was, uh, there was a big movement when we were in high school where people would burn their non-Christian CDs. <laughs> <You> remember that? <laughs> yeah. I never did that, but yeah. uh, I also didn't listen to a lot of secular yeah. bands at the time. <laughs> um, so sorcery and uh, dark magic, not good, right? No, not, not <laughs> okay. traditionally, at least in the scriptural, but again, like I joke about Harry Potter. We don't, we don't have cultural like understanding of witchcraft. If you go to somewhere like rural Kenya where witchcraft is still and sorcery and all that stuff is, and curses are all practice. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. And I would imagine if you were living in rural Kenya and you read the story of those sorcerers doing that, it would mean a lot more to us. We're just like, wait, so witches like, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. What? That's kind of my take too. I'm like, what are we talking about here? Like sorcerers. Yeah. Yeah. At they the very exist, least, huh? at the very least, I'll say this to our skeptical, you know, uh, whoever's our skeptical audience, if you're a skeptic, at the very least, skeptics of this the was a group of, this was a, a movement of people who were um, intentionally communing with what they considered to be spiritual forces mm-hmm. that would, you know, in their own minds, at least give them power or, or people could point to and say that they were manipulating other people or whatever. And yeah, uh, at, at its worst and probably a little bit more likely is that there actually are evil forces in our world and spiritual forces in our world that want to prey on humanity. Mm -hmm. And when we give them power and give them, you know, they actually can operate in our world. And that's what some of these sorcerers and witches and all that stuff we're actually communing with. So it's not a stuff that we talk about much, at least not in our, our tradition here in the U S but it's very much real. And again, as I've traveled the world, I've, I've, dip my toes into that world enough to see, like to see how the church is responding in different places in Haiti and in, you know, Kenya and in India. And it's, it's very real. I'll just say it's very real. So because it was very real, Paul comes, is it because of Paul that fear or Phobos falls on all the Greeks and Jews? Why did that happen? Specifically the context is that it happened because there were these Jewish men, these I think seven brothers that were trying to cast out a demon. Again, everybody's doing spiritual stuff and it's all about power dynamics and who's got the most, who's the most powerful and who's got the gods on their side. And so these guys were going around, they were trying to cast out a demon. And instead they said, you know, we, in the name of Jesus, who Paul teaches, you know, you need to leave. And they're like, and the demon inside this guy's like, well, I know Paul, I know Jesus, but I don't know who you are. And yeah. he jumps on him and he beats them all up. And that specific moment, it says, is what kind of caused that fear or that Phobos mm-hmm. to descend on the city. And that's in the context of Christianity, putting down roots and growing. And so these sorcerers were like, I, I implied that these sorcerers were already Christians, but they were, st- they were still dabbling in some of their sorcery stuff. And they're like, okay, that's it. We got to take this seriously. Yeah. And that's why they burned all those, all okay. those incantation books. So in the timeline of things, is this after Paul and uh, Silas went to jail? Yes, this is this. So this Ephesus was one of the cities that they went to on their very first missionary journey. I I'm 90% sure that's correct. 
or at the very least, they went there during their Sorry, second Sorry, we got a new thing. We, we got a new thing called Sweet Scoops, which is basically fact-checking everything we say here. Sweet Scoops? Yeah, so it'll be on our Instagram, whether it, it actually is. All right, someone's going to have to go find out. I <laughs> yeah. believe it was during his first missionary journey. Okay. And then during his, his third- I think that's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Sweet Scoop, sweet, sweet Scoop, whether or not what I'm saying is true, too. Okay. I don't know what you mean. We'll find out. <laughs> Fact check me, please. But yeah, I'll say this during one of his missionary journeys, he goes to Ephesus. Uh, then he went to Macedonia where we heard about Philippi and then he returned to Ephesus and spent okay. a while there, possibly yeah. years. And so we don't know exactly the details of all that he did there, but he was there for a good period of time mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff was happening yeah. at that time. Okay. Um, okay. So then a riot breaks out. Yeah. In Acts 19. And the story, as I'm reading about this after watching the sermon a couple of times, like the story doesn't really seem to do justice to just how dangerous yeah. this riot seemed to be. Right. And so uh, it, in the middle of it, it says Paul basically wants to like storm in and save his friends who have been taken right. uh, to the amphitheater by the rioters. And it, and it says the believers kept him from going in. Right. Uh, maybe for fear of his life or whatever yeah, in yeah. verse 30. So my question, I and have then a couple of And then some city officials that were Christians, presumably they were like, Paul, you better not go in. We know how these crowds can be. We've seen riots here. Like don't. So it's not just the, like the other believers. It's like city officials themselves are like, please don't go. Yeah. This is going to be bad. So it just says believers. Mm-hmm. And as I'm looking at this, uh, I saw like a little, what do they call it? Footnote. Sure where it's like Romans 16, where he's like talking about or giving a shout out to Priscilla and Aquila, which we talked yeah. about last week or something on the show, um, giving them a shout out. And they say, he says, um, tell them hello. And they once risked their lives for me. Mm. Were the believers who kept him out of this riot, was that Priscilla and Aquila? Doesn't say, I don't know. Oh, all right. So we don't possibly. Know. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, Anyways, he's, he's been in dangerous situations before, but now he's in this, in this riot. And then in, uh, first Corinthians is another footnote. First Corinthians 15, he calls the Ephesus people of Ephesus wild beasts. Oh yeah. So, uh, bad news, bad, like bad situation. And then in second Corinthians, he says that he was, or they were crushed and overwhelmed beyond their ability to endure. And he thought he'd never live through it. And I assume he's talking about the riot in Ephesus. That. Maybe a part of it. There's some, there's definitely some other stuff that went on in Ephesus that we don't have a clear understanding of. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's bad stuff. Well, yeah. And it could have been emotional stuff that he faced. It could have been rejection. It could have been, you know, opposition from other teachers that were yeah. teaching different things. Or as N.T. Wright believes, it could have actually been a period of time in prison. He okay. doesn't specifically talk about Ephesus, but N.T. Wright believes of being in prison in Ephesus, N.T. Wright believes that he actually was imprisoned in Ephesus for a period of time and wrote some of his quote unquote prison letters from that prison, not just the prison in Rome. Okay. So I don't know. Well, I bring all this up because Paul, you just said the timeline was after he went to jail and yeah, this riot is like super familiar to Acts 16 mm-hmm. when a mob forms against Paul and Silas for doing kind of the same thing. It's like yeah. bringing the gospel to wherever they were. Yeah. And 
they were beaten up and thrown yeah. into prison. So he, he's been, he, he's probably been had this trauma. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and yet think about it. He still wants to go into the crowd. Yeah, he still wants to go to the amphitheater and people are trying to like save him from himself a little bit. So yeah. I, that's all to say the, the, the pushback that you talked about, the, the yeah. pushback of the world and the powers of the world. This was a super dangerous situation and it's not just like, eh, we disagree, but it was like, yeah. his life was in danger. Yeah. If you're, this is kind of a, nerdy fun fact, but the, the amphitheater in Ephesus is still there today. Oh, really? And you can see it. If you just Google it, you'll see the amphitheater and apparently up, up to 20,000 people could fit in there. And it was, it would have been a deafening roar if the full, if it was fully was it inside. No, it's an outside. It's kind oh, of yeah. like built into a hillside. You look it up. It's really interesting. And, but that was exactly the place where this thing was happening. And mm. you could try to imagine even just looking at a picture, like that would have been a crush of people. Yeah chanting and with their, I mean, they chanted for hours. Imagine <laughs> chanting for hours. You've got to be so riled up. Great is Artemis <laughs> of the Ephesians. Megale. Artemis <laughs> yeah. yeah. It would have been wild. So um, yeah, it was. And I mean, again, like I mentioned in the message, nothing did happen, at least not in that specific incident, but mm-hmm. it was enough to cause significant change of feeling in Ephesus where Christians are suddenly like on alert and yeah. it's not just this big, happy, joy, happy, go lucky party. Now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, and my neighbors might want to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the picture I have in my head is just wild. And verse 26, a guy named Demetrius, who's kind of the guy that started this yeah. revolt. He's like a, a silversmith and they didn't really make idols. They actually made these shrines that little, if you've ever been to Eastern Southeastern um, Asia, you'll see a lot of Buddhist homes oh, yeah. have these little shrines at their door of a God or goddess or something that they will um, light incense for. Mm. They'll bring fruit and fresh food to daily. They'll pray to it. That's the kind of thing that these silversmiths were making. And, and what they were doing is making these little mini versions of the temple of Artemis, which was like I mentioned, one of the six great, well, one of the ancient wonders of the world, four times bigger than the Parthenon. It was a huge deal. Yeah. And so they would make these little mini shrines. And so people could take the, the temple of Artemis home, put it in their homes and that was what they were praying to. So it's not really accurate to call it an idol, even though I did a couple of times. It's, yeah. it's a shrine, but whatever. Well, he's, he's kind of the one that starts this whole thing. And he says, people, Paul has persuaded many people that these handmade gods aren't real gods at all. Yeah. And so I started wondering, um, are there voices today kind of telling us, you know what? The gospel, which is what Paul was persuading people with, the gospel has persuaded many of us to believe that blank aren't gods at all. And I think this is kind of what you're, you're saying with the, the big takeaway of your message. Yeah. But I, I was thinking, man, pick any major corporation or cause right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they tells us that we are the gods like mm-hmm. Tyler is, Tyler deserves the tank top for vacation. So he's going to go, he ought to go get it. Right. Uh, or pick a cause right now that tells us that, we are the, what's most important in this world. And <laughs> the CEO of Nike comes out and says, and these Christians are going around saying, just don't do it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or something. Yeah. But yeah. basically like loving other people and putting other people ahead of ourselves has persuaded many to believe that we are not the gods after all. So let's go get them. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, and I, I, I mean, that certainly still happens today. It's sure. not just an ancient problem where right. the gospel shows up and everybody gets upset. It's like, 
Yeah. I mean, we could go really, we could really <laughs> stick our, our foot in it here, but yeah, I mean, Hey, just Mary's think not of, here to stop us. Let's <laughs> just do it. Just think of like, in general, anything that we do that we try to teach that has to do with like giving up your own rights yeah. or your own whatever, like that, that people, there's a visceral reaction to that. Cause people are like, Hey, it's my rights. Like yeah. you can't tell me that not to have that thing or do that thing or whatever. Cause it's I'm my feeling choice. Aggressive. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> so I, I mean, I won't get into specifics cause I definitely would get in trouble, but yes, yeah. there are lots of any, especially when it comes to our rights or yeah. our like giving up our own dignity or our own well being for the sake of someone yeah. else, it feels like wrong to an American yeah. to do so that. So gospel shows up, tells you to put others ahead of yourself. We're like, how and, dare you? Yeah. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> right. Like, I need that new tank top or whatever for vac- vacation. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I also find it fascinating that Luke points out uh, a bunch of people at this riot didn't even know why they were there. Right. I think I, I was reading in, in one of the commentaries I was studying it. I think Luke is trying to go out of his way to really discredit this riot in a sense. Like he's trying to make them look ridiculous. It's like, they didn't even know why they were there. They're all chanting one thing. Some people said one thing and some said another. Um, Yeah. And, but he's just trying to make it like clear, like these guys are, they're out of their minds. They're just, and the little detail I didn't get into my message, but you, you see it um, the Jewish or that says the Jews put forth Alexander to explain what was going on. Context implies that Alexander was a local artisan because it wasn't just the idol makers. It was people who were in similar trades. He was a local artisan, but he was Jewish, not Christian, just Jewish. And they put him forward. He's going to explain and basically say, look, this isn't the Jewish people. These are the Christians. They're not like us. They're different. But because he's Jewish, the crowd is so anti-Semitic, they shout him down. And so the crowd is just bloodthirsty. Like they're not, they're not thinking logically. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've thought how many times do I not know why, like, like cause of the day or whatever, Sure. whether it's Twitter or off offline, like it's like, Hey, what's all this commotion about? Oh, it's about that. Right. Uh, well now I'm in and now I'm yeah. part of the problem or and now, now I'm, part I'm of the angry world. too. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm trying to picture what this looks like in 2021. Sure. And it's like, how often are we doing things or saying things without really know what we're doing or the impact that they're having? Uh, and so when Luke says people there didn't even know why were they, they were sure. there, they were just part of the commotion, but they were like, what are we doing? And it, now they're, yeah, they're swept know, up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this very dangerous riot that Paul and others risked their lives for, um, which is important to me because when talking about threatening the powers of the world, mm. uh, the gospel is something worth risking our lives for. And you brought up the God of reputation, the God of um, prosperity, prosperity. We're going to get there, but like, I don't know that I've ever been in a position to have to risk my life for the gospel. Mm, yeah. Uh, and I certainly wouldn't risk it. I don't think for reputation, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I would, mm. maybe I do that and I don't know it, but uh, yeah. So it's just fascinating to me that how dangerous of a situation this seemed to be. Mm-hmm. Some people didn't even know they were, why they were there. Um, but it was like, we're going to, we're, we're here and we're risking our lives to do this. Right. And I, I I hinted at this in the message, but this to me is a bit of a prelude of what's to come. Yeah. When Rome, the ultimate 
power, the ultimate God of their world, when that empire began to be threatened by Christianity, like that's when the real persecution began. We're talking, yeah. like I said, uh, burned homes and, and torture and mass execution. And it, this, the, so is Christian at this point was Christianity on Rome's radar. Yes. In the sense that Ju- Judaism was on Rome's radar as this kind of odd sect yeah, of mon- monotheists that people in most Roman cities, there'd be this small little contingent of Jewish people and there. They usually just kind of rolled their eyes and said, fine, do, do your own thing. Just don't, don't, rock the boat too much, yeah. which is why it was such a big deal that in Israel, there kept being these revolts, these Jewish revolts that, that Rome just finally clamped down on in 8070. Mm. But yeah, around this time, Christianity was just this like Jewish sect, but in the days after Paul, like in like the one hundreds AD, that's when it started to really turn into a major force because there are enough people were joining the movement that it was starting to really mess with like, like in Ephesus, it was starting to mess with the actual trade. Um, there were enough people who were saying that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord. Like that it would start, it was starting to be, um, rebellious. And then you start getting into the time with, with like Nero and the persecution of Marcus Aurelius persecuted Christians. And, um, people wanted to make examples of anybody who stood against the empire. So crucifixions were, were everywhere and people were being fed to lions in the Colosseum. People would watch Christians get murdered for fun. So, yeah. So Demetrius's uh issue seemed to be like they're taking money out of our pockets. That's that's where he starts. Yeah. And then his his speech moves on to bigger and bigger things. Yeah. First of all, he's like, Yeah, we're gonna lose a bunch of biz- business and everyone's like, I'm not up for that. <laughs> like I don't <laughs> yeah. I'm not about to lose business. Not yeah. when we've got this like lucrative thing. We've got this yeah. this temple. Uh one of the things that he makes a reference to, someone makes a reference to um, the, the mayor, whatever the scribe guy makes a reference to the fact that, um, there's a, some sort of goddess that, or some sort of idol that had fallen from heaven. And it's, it's possible that there was actually in Ephesus, a, uh, a meteorite that had fallen to earth or a meteor meteorite had fallen to earth. And they used that metal from that as a part of this, like the statue of Artemis. And so they thought this is actually from the gods. Cause it came from space wow. <laughs> or from the heavens as All they right. thought of it. So anyway, this is like, they're like, they've got a pretty sweet deal. We're making shrines in the place that everybody wants to come to get shrines. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's going to cost money. Why do the, I mean, you said this in your sermon, so I just want to talk a little bit more about it, but why do the powers of the world push back when the gospel starts to take root as you put it? Well, I think the main reason is because their own power and influence begins to wane. When, when Christ followers are truly following Jesus, then the powers lose their influence over their lives and they don't, in a, in a vacuum, Christ followers don't obey the powers of the world. They just, they ignore it. They do so their like own thing. Control. So control. Yeah. And, and for example, with money and, and wealth, like the power of money or the power of prosperity or wealth or whatever, greed, like the best thing that can happen for that power is for every human to be greedy, money grubbing, you know, backstabbing, yeah. looking for wealth at, for, at any cost sacrificing their lives and their families for wealth and money and all of that. And when Christianity is taking root, people are generous. They're sharing what they have to meet each other's needs. Greed dissolves as people are like completely opening their lives to one another. And so if you're a power, the power of, of sinful greed, you don't want Christianity to take root. And so, yeah. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. So, uh, you picked two powers or two gods, so to speak. Sure. Uh, in modern day, like yeah, what we would possibly call gods. 
the God of reputation and the God of prosperity. Why did you pick those two things to illustrate your point? So I, I, as I was thinking about this message, what, where it really started was what are the things that, that I sense the world pushing back on us for. And then I began flipping it around and saying, and what should be pushed back on what should, what should the world be pushing back on us? But it's not. And why is not? Mm-hmm. And as I thought about it, I, those two things, if you go back, you'll hear themes of those coming up in my messages a lot. Cause I personally have a bit of a burden that, that, that we as American evangelical suburbanite Christians tend to fall into some of the same cultural traps as everybody else around us. And those are two of the big ones yep. that I see everywhere. I look, I see prosperity as a, a lifestyle, the American dream, this idea of like wealth at any cost that that's pretty much a driving force in our culture, as is the reputation that we are constantly giving into the demands of, of what it will take for us to portray ourselves in a, Mm -hmm. in a positive light. So I see that and it's a burden and I could have talked about others. I could have talked about fear and anxiety. I could have talked about, um, I don't know, different forms of selfishness. I could have talked about depression or different things that, our influences that we give our lives to, but I don't know. I didn't, well, those, those are the things two that it felt seems the most, like, yeah. like the anxiety, depression, like those could be symptoms or byproducts exactly. of these two yes. gods. Yes. Um, so and there's also like power is another one that yeah. is very, very like influence and power is something else that we sacrifice ourselves to. So yeah, there's plenty of others. Um, I don't, I don't care who you are. The, the, the reputation issue I feel like is an issue for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I don't think I know a single person on this planet uh, who doesn't think about what other people think about when they think about them. Sure. Like we all want someone to think something of us, right. whether it's, I don't know. But the, the interesting thing about Paul is that the only person's reputation he cared about literally because he was about to storm into a riot. Right. Uh, was, was, Jesus's like, that's the only reputation he thought yeah. Uh, yeah, and there, to care about. And I can think of some instances where Paul does seem to be kind of defending himself. Even next week, you'll hear Marin talk about this, where <clears throat> he talks a little bit about like what I've done and what I've done, you know, even second Corinthians, he defends himself a lot. But if you really understand what he's saying, he's not defending himself for the sake of his own authority or his own influence. What he's defending is the gospel. And he's mm. saying, look, if you are going to believe these other people, then you're, you're ultimately not believing the gospel. So you need to understand that I'm standing for the gospel. So he, yeah. even in that, he's not defending himself, his own reputation. He's defending the reputation of Jesus, yeah. like you said. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, I, I certainly live in a way that I care a lot about what people think. And I've always been somebody who's like, I don't really care about what people think, but <laughs> I do. I mean, I care about what my sons think. I care about what my wife thinks. I care about what my coworkers and people yeah. at Grace. I care, I care what, people think about me. Yeah. Um, how do we stop doing that? How do we stop doing that? (laughs) Well, I mean that that's a lifelong journey for us because like I always talk about, God calls us to self-giving love. I don't like, I think there's no way that you, I mean, unless you're like a desert monk that like goes and lives in a (laughs) hut, like you're not, you're not, nobody's going to be so self-effacing that they don't, um, think about because the way that you portray yourself in at, at its very basic, it's, it's a necessary ingredient of relationships. Like, yeah. like you and your son, right. 
you need to be someone to your son. Yeah. And so obviously you're not just going to completely set yourself aside. You're not a, you're not, you know, floating six inches off the ground and right. like meditating all the time. Like you're, you're a real human being. That's how it goes. But there is a point at which we, uh, the motivation is not so much to, to portray yourself as a, as who you truly are and in a way that, that other people will get to know you and see Christ in you when it becomes something that it's like, and I want you to think something of me so that I look better. I look more, whatever. So I want I, you to yeah, think. yeah. Yeah. Then it starts to become an issue. And that is what's hard because it's, the most easy thing to miss that you're even doing it. And, yeah. and I'm, I wrestle with this all the time. Cause sometimes I'll do something and I'm like, I'll do something and be like, huh, that was really humble of me. And I'm like, no, wait, <laughs> that's the problem. I'm, I'm wanting other people that's to really think that humble I'm humble. Me. I put yeah. it on Facebook and I got like 200 likes. Yeah. That is the best. I had, okay. Great example of this. I had, um, um, this, uh, one grace attender, she came up to me after service and said, wow, that thing about reputation that was speaking directly to me. I'm constantly using this like Snapchat filter, which makes me look better or something. Oh, yeah. And she's, she's like, even my kids know when, when I pull out my, when we're going to take a picture as a family, I've got to pull out the Snapchat filter. And she's like, hold on, let me get my filter ready or whatever. And she's like, and I'm going to stop using that. And, and then she's like, oh, and you know what I just thought I was, I was going to post on Facebook that I'm going to stop using that oh, filter. And she's him. like, it's still happening. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's like layers deep of, of this, Ugh. but it's, I think it's, I think the first step is just paying attention to the fact that we're wired this way. Yeah. Cause that, yeah. Even just asking yourself, why am I posting this thing? Or why am I saying this thing? Or why, why did I walk into the room and then tell that story? Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's more self-evaluation. And then, uh, God of prosperity. Um, what does this mean? And is it possible for me living in Hamilton County today to uh, surrender my wealth and possessions to Jesus. I mean, yes, I believe it is possible. Otherwise we should all move. And I don't, <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe, but um, I mean, we live in a, in a, in a, in a society specifically, you know, central Indiana or the Northern part of Indianapolis. It's like, that's a really hard thing to do. Surrender mm-hmm. your wealth and possessions and reputation <laughs> yeah. Uh, to Jesus. So how do we do it? How do we do it in 2021? Well, yeah, I mean, and, and I want to make, again, make something clear that I made clear and tried to make clear in my message was the fact that I'm not just talking about money and, yeah. and saying that we should all just give up our money because money is a tool. Money is something we can use. I mean, Paul may have lived really simply, but it was because of the generosity of people who had the resources to support him. So right. like, I'm not suggesting we should all be hermits again, but I think we have to consider the fact that prosperity as an idea is it's about seeing money as a way to make ourselves happy. Yeah. And and I, or, or, or fulfilled or successful yeah. or whatever it is. I, if we see money as a tool, it's one thing. If we see it as our path towards fulfillment, that's something else. Yeah. And so I think when it comes to, when it comes to all this, we, again, it, we need to do some self-evaluation and ask ourselves, why, why am I spending my money in this way? Yeah. What am I, what am I hoping to achieve by doing this? Yeah. And, and what, what is it that's driving me to spend my money in the way that I'm spending my money? You know, and, and I think we just don't ask that question a lot. We just kind of go with whatever either makes me feel good. So I'll just spend all the money I have to mm. constantly get whatever's right in yeah. front of me, you know, <laughs> like just like, yeah. or it's, I'm 
living in fear. And so I'm going to, I'm going to save every dime I have because I, I want to be able to prosper when I'm in my eighties. And so it's like, but it just drives us and we don't think about it. So I'm just, it starts by just asking ourselves what, what is our motivation? Yeah. It's, it's the, uh, for me, it's, it's the, uh, vacation clothes thing. Uh It's like, we always go on vacation. We do it every year. Yeah. But we always do this before we go on vacation. It's like, I need, I need new vacation clothes right. that I probably won't wear after vacation. Right. Uh, or we need new things for the kids to do in the car, even though they have the same thing, but they lost like, it's like a drawing tablet. Yeah. They lost the pen to the last one. So instead of just like getting a new pen, mm-hmm. we're getting a whole new thing. Anyways, uh, we, we, we go on vacation every year. Like we got it covered. Like last year's stuff should be good enough. We don't need to spend more money on the, on the new thing. But I always tell myself, you know, like, this tank top won't just won't do. Like, I got to get a new, I got to get a new one. I <laughs> yeah. got to have a new graphic tee yeah. uh, or whatever, whatever the thing is. Um, and well, for me personally, it's like, I cannot abide by other people having the latest board game that I want. And, <laughs> and you don't have it sitting yeah. on the sidelines. Like I, I can't have that. So that's, that's a real issue for me. And I, I know it's an issue for other people. Um, have you gotten much of a response from people about this particular part of your sermon? Yeah, actually. Um, I had some, I had a couple of people kind of with, I, I guess I would describe them as, as kind of sitting back a little bit like, Whoa, yeah, I need to, I need to give this some thought, you know, kind of feeling yeah. a little convicted. And then there were some others that were just like, finally, yes, we need to talk about this because we oh, don't talk yeah. about it enough. So there was some encouragement stuff there yeah. too. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think this is just one of those things that frankly kind of probably needs to be in front of us a lot yeah. because we live in such a money focused and wealth focused culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good, good feedback though. So this, this has a tendency to make people, me depressed. Okay. Like okay. I, I have an issue with the God of reputation and the God of prosperity, but you say you see hope in spite of this. Yeah, I do. So talk a little bit about that. Well, what, what I see is and I mentioned this in the message, I see plenty of examples here at Grace of people who their lives fly in the face of the God of prosperity and the God of, of reputation. I yeah. mentioned people who who do things for for Grace Church, things that are quote unquote beneath them, uh, yeah. who just, they do it because they they love Jesus. And it's like, they don't need, rep, they don't need to be patted on the back. They don't even really want other people to know. Um, yeah, yeah, I've had that, that instance multiple times. I see them, working. And I, and I just think, okay, that's amazing. Cause the God of reputation can't stand them because they're doing right. exactly the opposite yeah. of, of trying to even, it's e- even easy if you're like volunteering at grace to want to use that as a way to boost your own reputation yeah. and they don't have any desire to do that. And yeah. that's amazing. And same thing with people who I see who are just so open-handed and generous with their resources mm. that are, that are giving sacrificially to grace or even to other, other people who are constantly, you know, the kind of people yep. who are constantly there for somebody in financial stress. And, and those people, again, they don't want, they don't want recognition for it. They're not doing it for any ulterior motives, but I see them and I'm, mm. I'm filled with hope. And, mm-hmm. and I mentioned, this is more of a reference to all the other sort of powers and authorities in our world. But I mentioned just, I see in my day-to-day job as a pastor, I see so many people who are just faithfully, steadily making the the journey possible of slowly letting their lives be transformed to look like Jesus of, yeah. of slowly dismantling the power and authority of these, of these 
these spiritual forces in their lives and they're setting aside greed and they're setting aside lust and they're setting aside all these things for the sake of, of the kingdom. And I see it happening. And Mm -hmm. I think that as this, as this community continues to grow in this, as we continue to like uh, support one another in growing in this way, it's, it's going to be something that will lead to the community taking notice and it won't be long before the powers start to push back. And I would love for that to happen because it's an indication. Anytime we get any kind of opposition to our work, it's actually a bit of an encouragement because it means we're probably on the right track. Yeah. So I'm hopeful because I ended my message this way. And I was like, the powers of this world, when they, when I look at you, Grace Church, well, what did I say? I said the, uh, the, when the gospel takes root, the powers of this world are threatened and Grace Church, when I look at you, they're start, I think they're starting to sweat a little. Yeah. I said that. And on Saturday night, I was also really sweaty myself. And I was like, wait, does <laughs> oh, that no. make me one of the powers of this yeah. world? Well, oh no, but we can do this. We can guys, we can do this. <laughs> yeah. Where do we go next? <laughs> oh man. Uh, so next Marin is actually preaching this oh, next weekend. Oh, all right. And too bad she's not here so we could grill her on, on, yeah. on that. But, um, she's talking about the farewell message of Paul. Remember I mentioned, no, it doesn't matter. At some point, <laughs> Paul meets with the elders from Ephesus yeah. and he, he gives them this long farewell address and it's a really important one. Cause it's like, at that point, he starts to realize that his journey is going to lead him to Jerusalem mm-hmm. and it would be, he's intentionally going somewhere that's going to be life threatening. Yeah. And so he sees this as his last opportunity to talk to them. And so it's important to, to hear what he has to say as someone who has, you know, dedicated his life yeah. post post uh, awakening mm-hmm. his life to Jesus. And now what does he have to say to the, uh, to the leaders of the church? What's the legacy that he wants them to, mm. to remember him with? So cool. it'll be cool. And uh, this weekend we're also commissioning the Fisher's, campus That's to right. be a uh, independent church. So right. um, what, can, still, what can we expect? What are we going to do? Well, we, we're going to, uh, on Saturday night, we're going to have the Fisher's staff and some of their elders, as well as the, any from the one from the congregation who wants to come will be here at 146th street. And we're going to have a moment in the service that we honor them and, and yeah. pray over them and hear from them a little bit and then just send them out. And then on Sunday, I won't be present at 146 because I'll be over at at Fisher's and we're going to be, doing something similar there, kind of kicking it off and launching them. And um, just in case you're curious, we are still over the next few months going to be working behind the scenes. We're still kind of nailing down how to be, how to be two separate churches. There's some of that logistics, but as far as the congregations are concerned, this weekend will be the the beginning of grace and grace Fishers being two separate independent church plants. And it's it's great. Yeah, Yeah. It's super exciting. And then right after that, we start uh, hope month. That's right. Yeah. Can't wait for that. So it's that's uh, four, four straight weeks of talking about uh, healing the broken place of decay this yeah. year. So creation care and weekend of service is coming yep. back. Weekend of service awesome. at the end of August. So a lot to look forward to. Uh, Marin will be back next week. I won't be here. So good luck, everybody. Remember, remember the first time we did this where did what? the first year we did between Sundays I went on family vacation and you guys did it without me. And yeah. I like tuned into the Facebook live yeah. feed as you guys were broadcasting. Yeah. And I was just trying to troll you guys. Yeah. I do time. remember that. Yeah. I'm still crying myself to sleep <laughs> once in a I wish every now and then I, w- I remember being on the boat in the middle of the lake doing that <laughs> and thinking I was so funny, but anyways. Uh, all right. So Marin will be here uh, next week, but uh, Barry, will you 
Will will you send us out? It would be an honor. I'm no Marin, but I'll do my best. All right. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday.